You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's the list and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here, and I am still in beautiful Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Behind me is the Sky Dome. I'm here. I'm watching the Reds and the Blue Jays play, but that didn't keep me from doing my job. Despite everything, despite me on my own dime, flying myself to Toronto, the home of my boss, Jimmy Van. He's here, by the way. You all can see him. He can't see himself. He can't see the Sky Dome. I love it. Because he's got to watch all this back, guys. He can't see what's behind me. Okay, this was intentional what you just did. Oh, no, no, it wasn't. I knew yes, you would think was. that. I knew yes, you would think was. that, too. I knew you would be like, oh, that green screen, it messed up Skype and everything. It no, I think, I think that you're, you're, you're claiming that I can't see this because you want to put shit up on your, on your shower curtain and you don't want me to see it. And that's why you claimed... So for those of you that are just tuning in, we're going almost 15 minutes late because Sean claimed he had technical difficulties and, oh, I'm not able to show you the playback and blah, blah, blah. And then as soon as I can see him without his little fancy magic, I can see the shower curtain. You deliberately are saying, oh, sorry, man, I can't get the playback to work because you want to do all this bullshit and I'm not going to be able to know what you're doing. So... Just know that when no, we play No, I can verify back, with Nigel afterwards that my Wirecast virtual camera will not show up in Skype. It was being really glitchy. Like, it was it was locking up and stuff, so I had to... It was When we play this back, if, if I was in the middle of a serious topic and you're putting ponies on the, on the shower curtain behind you, you and I are going to have words off the air, so... I'm I just, am... I, I'm, this, the roof is open. It's a beautiful Wednesday afternoon. Here at the Sky Dome, I'll never call it the Rogers Center. Is that why you said uh, on on Twitter today? I wish I was at the Sky Dome or something because you had I all. I wish I was shit. at the Sky Dome like every day. It's a beautiful stadium. I grew up playing for a Blue Jays little league team, and it was yeah. when they won back to back titles. So I was a bit of a Blue okay. Jays fan. Now, so you know what's awesome, Sean? I gotta say the tea here at, at uh, Sky Dome is beautiful. And look, Jimmy, they even gave me this Cincinnati Reds. 19 what I have a wonderful team of people. You have a wonderful that, team of rats. I'm going to stop by sure and bring them all some cheese. 
I have a wonderful team of people that make sure that I can I can know what's going on at all times. So for you audio listeners, one of them just brought me in an iPad with the show going, so I'm able to keep tabs on whatever nonsense Sean is up to. Bunch so. of jamokes. <laughs> but look at this. I was able to buy my Cincinnati Reds 1990 World Champions Collector's Cup. Wow, they had it in Toronto with the Sky Dome. The, the, the tea is actually delicious here. The brewmaster tells me that he makes it with maple syrup. Very good. Very good. I'm glad you're enjoying yourself. So I guess we got a show to do, Jimmy. Yeah, I guess we do. Sorry, I'm just preparing my iPad that I can watch the show on as we go here. Oh, boy. So, uh, okay, so you're currently, yeah, you're currently, it looks like you're kind of floating above the Sky Dome, sort of. I have good seats. <laughs> oh, do you? Yeah. Do you? You have an I dropped, aerial view? I dropped your name, Jimmy. Did you? I did. It got it got it gets you places here in Toronto. Yeah, really, really. Actually, I I should tell you a quick story. Do you want to do you want to hear a quick Skydome story? I like stories. So the first time I ever went to the Skydome, I was 19 years old, and I think they had just opened up the Skydome a year or two prior, and I, I didn't have tickets for the game. Uh, I waited till the game was out. I just wanted to go in, kind of like you. I wanted to go in and see it. And uh, so I walked in as people are coming out, and there was a security guard there, and he stopped me from getting in. Do you remember Kelly Gruber? I do. So Kelly Gruber played for the Blue Jays. Kelly Gruber was being interviewed on live TV, like off in the distance. And I, I said to the security guard, oh, no, I'm just waiting for my cousin. He's over there being interviewed. And the guard bought it, and I got in and ended up getting into, like, the media boxes and, and wow. all that stuff. To me, that is number – like a lot of people want to go to Wrigley. A lot of people want to go to Yankee Stadium. To me, there's some sort of connection with the Sky Dome and my childhood that I associate with. Probably because, I mean, those were star-studded teams. It was the first stadium of its kind. Uh, plus, Blue Jays jerseys kick ass. The colors kick ass. I'm, I'm rather fond. If I had a second favorite baseball team, it'd probably be the Blue Jays. How do you like the red one they do on Canada Day? It's okay. It's okay. I have one of those. They're I should to, send you one of those. You should. They're about to sweep the Reds, by the way. They're about to sweep the Reds. There's not a lot of people here, as you can see. It's weird. <laughs> uh, well, uh, based on your angling, you're basically floating from the ceiling. So uh, how one can you perks, even tell? One of the perks. Uh, there you go. So, so how you doing, all, man? I'm, I'm doing great. I, I have a wedding to be in this Saturday. It's my wife's best friends and... Then I get to come back and do UFC 212. I'm pumped for that show too. How are you going to style your hair? Because I know you're trying to grow oh. it, so you're kind of you're in the awkward phase right I now. I am. I'm going to so be how in the you awkward gonna... stage for a long time. I don't know. Probably just like this. So are you really legitimately looking to become Jesus? Like, is that what you're trying to do with I'm, the? I'm already box jump Jesus. I don't want to. I'm not trying to be actual Jesus. Although I did wish blessings upon many last night on Twitter. Yeah, we're going to get into that. Okay. We're going to get into that. I will – you know what? I'm going to put you over because Sean showed me a video of a, of a, a box jump onto a car. When was that, Sean? Last year. Last year. And to his credit, you didn't get a running start. You basically took like one or two steps, uh, and he jumped onto the top of the car. So that was, that was impressive. Uh, yeah, you know. I definitely didn't nickname myself that. I would never do something that pretentious. No, you would never do that. No. <laughs> No, no. Uh, let's get right into the Sean Ross app heel turn. So when we were starting oh, this, Sean, on. when we were starting this today, I didn't know whether to refer to you as Sean Ross app today or whether I should call you Hollywood Hogan. Or how about and Sean I, Ross Sass? 
I like Hollywood Hogan better. I don't know. Because he, so so hear me out on this. So the previous sites that you worked for, I did not visit those sites on, on the regular basis and I still don't. And so I wasn't familiar with your work in those days. Some of our listeners and readers now knew you from those days. And according to what some of them are saying, what I've kind of gotten out of this is that back in those days on those sites, you were red and yellow Hogan. And then when you came over to Fightful.com, you dropped the big leg on Randy Savage, and now you're black and white Hogan. So what happened? I want to read a couple quotes, and I'm not going to mention names. Uh, I'm just going to read a couple quotes. One guy said, don't like the snarky change in you. And somebody else said, you're acting like JBL. We want the SRS we all respected and followed back. What happened, man? Like, What, what led to you becoming an asshole from the time that you left your last site? To coming over to Fightful.com. What happened? How much merch did Hollywood Hogan sell once that change happened? Oh, a lot. The change needed to happen. But you're not selling shit. So how does how does that work? Selling everything. Jinder Mahal's selling more t-shirts in India than you're selling currently anywhere in the world. God damn, I'd hope so. Well, you know, it's the India market. It is. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I've... I don't know what they're talking about, which is funny because I had one person say that I'm acting like JBL, while another yeah. person said, there goes Sean and Anna pushing their social justice warrior agenda on us. And I'm like, you can't be both of those. Mm. You can't be JBL and a social justice warrior. So when you were at those other sites, were you – because this is how I'm kind of trying to equate it in my head – were you the even keel Michael Cole, and then when you came here, you became the Jerry Lawler feud no. Michael Cole? No. The, the, what that? If you look at what that what happened with that comment, that person says that he surmised that based on my stance of Mauro Ronaldo about how I no longer cared about his situation with WWE right. because he took a financial settlement. The reason right. I said that is because before this, he was talking about it. His friends were all tweeting about it. They offered him an amount of money to shut up about it. He took that money, and mm. then he shut up about it, and so did his buddies. Mm. That leads me to believe that that amount of money is enough for him, as the person who was personally victimized, to just let it go. So I let it go. Now, do mm. I do I, See, let, my, do my I let go what JBL did? No, I don't. Yeah. I don't, yeah. because he's an asshole, and he's yeah. a piece of – he's personally – a shitty person, but so what's our, what's ironic about that is that you have just used the terms asshole and shitty person about JBL when oh. at least one person thinks that you're acting like JBL. Yeah. So think about think about the how how ironic that is. What led to this heel turn, Sean? Is it because I'm a little bit? I'll, too... Let me let me read this comment on the YouTube chat. Are you drunk with power? Because you're no. the manager. Here editor? here here are a couple of comments. Aaron Hyden, one of our great writers who I've known for years. Take it for what you will, but SRS is the same as he has always been. God the Bear says, SRS has always been like this. I won't name names, because I'm fond of this person, but his former boss, God bless his soul, is kind of the fun police. Oh, really? I mean, yeah. I mean, you know what that You know that. what that does? That, in a roundabout way, puts me over. Yeah. It does. I mean, I, I have not made any bones about it. I am given a little more wiggle room here. You want yeah. me to be entertaining. I'm not yeah. pretending to be this way. This is how I am. If anybody is always stoic and angry and upset, 
I don't know why you would cover MMA and pro wrestling because you have to have some sort of sense of humor, some sort of flexibility to do that. I don't like to take everything too literally. There are times when I've done that. There are times when I've taken your advice and whenever trolls come out, well, you saw how I handle them. And I, yeah. I, I what's, what's it? Yeah. <laughs> I told him that I hope the Lord rains down blessings upon him. Oh, come on. That came like five minutes after you posted a bunch of other shit. Inviting him to like share the blessings of the, okay. This troll Jimmy said, <laughs> and I quote, it's easy for you to say that now after you have my money from that subscription. I saw that. What does that say about this troll who also yeah, he said us, homophobic and sexist things? He got us confused with another site, obviously. Yeah, he would have had to have. Either that or you're taking somebody's money. <laughs> somebody's. The only thing I can think of, you know what it could be, Sean? He what? might have bought the Kentucky Wildcat Ya Boy t-shirt. <laughs> that could be what it was. Could have been it. I don't get it. I mean, this, this is. I don't like. I don't like to put on acts and stuff. I don't like to. do I that. will say. Let me. Let me just say this. So we talk about the stupid nicknames every week and the excessive usage of stupid nicknames. I do not want Sean to become Michael Cole or Corey Graves. I don't want you to become that because they're annoying and they're stupid. And so I'm never going to tell you because you know some people if they watch the show every week, Sean, they might think Jimmy clearly is telling Sean. Uh, to say, don't be ridiculous. How dare you? It's trash. People might be thinking he the says him so often. He boy. says him so often that Jimmy must be telling him to say this, and I'm, I'm not. That's just kind of who you are. Oh well, but, I mean, uh, when you're on screen for six, seven hours a week, some of the mm. things you say are going to get repeated. Michael Cole's on on screen for like three weeks. You don't have to do it that much. Right, right. Especially but that anyway, much in a brief, brief amount of time. Hey. Some people are going to like me. Some people aren't. But I, I try to be polite to everybody. Now, if, if it's something ridiculous like you're being like JBL because you you don't agree with me on a stance about Mauro Ranallo, well, mm -hmm. we're going to think different things. And quite frankly, if I think the same thing as everybody else or me and you think the same way as everybody else or each other, that makes for a pretty boring show. You're right. And one, one thing I like about you is that you push back on me when you don't like my ideas. Uh, even though I win in the end, you you at least push back on me, and I like that about you, man. And I, same thing about my team here, Lindsay, the, one of the girls that you know. I love it when she will question a, an idea I have if she doesn't like it necessarily. I'm not a yes man kind of guy. I don't want people to be like kissing my ass. I like it. Yeah, when I know. I I got that feeling pretty early on when we did our show. And to be honest, for the first several months I worked for you, I didn't know. Right. I had no idea because I didn't have a lot of. Even this face-to-face -face interaction and stuff. Right, right, I, right. I would say that I had as much interaction with with a Lindsay. I mean, right. Nigel. I feel like I've been bunking with for the last month. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, you know what? Since you just you just said something, you said uh, not everybody's going to like me, uh, and not everybody's going to hate me. That leads me to Vince Russo. Yeah. You know what that was, Sean? That was a segue, Sean. I learned from you, man. Yeah. That was a segue. So we got to talk about we got to talk about Vince Russo because man, what a week this has been. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's do a quick little rundown. I'm not going to say who Vince Russo is because I think everybody knows. Last July, when we started this site, Fightful.com, 
Vince was the guy we brought in to do uh, stuff for us. He did a once-a-week podcast. He wrote some articles. He did a raw review, stuff like that. Uh, and it did very well, the, especially your, your podcast did pretty good numbers. But after a few months, it ran its course because Vince didn't like the current product anymore. And he didn't want to talk about it. And his articles were suffering because he just hated everything. He, so he wrote we, one in the eyes of a 10-year-old. And the thing is, I, I had tried to avoid this by right. – in June, when it became clear that he and I would be working together again, I said, Vince, let's do a retro show. Right. And it's a lot like um, – I it was based on uh, David Bixenspan, a guy I worked with. He would do like Between the Sheets and 605 Pod and stuff like that. And later, Bruce Pritchard's found great success with, with mm -hmm. that and Tony Schiavone as well. And I thought, Vince, you have enough stories. We could tackle something like that, a show, uh, a, a person, an angle. He wasn't into it. So, I mean, and, and we tried this again before he left. We were going to have him review old Raws even. Mm -hmm. So, Well, when we split, we split amicably. There, were, there was no hard feelings. Uh, and then what happened was when we decided, you know, I, I took over the show and the show started doing pretty good numbers. And now we've expanded it and we've added segments with other guys. So I went to you a couple weeks ago and said, what about Vince? Because he started talking wrestling on his own podcast again after he had stopped. And you reached out to Vince, and he was interested, and then I reached out to him, and I cut a deal with him, and he's back. Um, you did the taping this week. Uh, we're going to be doing segments starting today called Russo Reveals, and they're going to be stories about his time working for WWE and WCW and TNA, no current stuff, all the stuff from when he worked for those companies. But one little clip from that taping was about how we reached out to Vince McMahon recently in the last week. So we decided let's take that clip out because it's more timely mm -hmm. and let's put it up on its own. And it blew up. Like it's done thousands of views on YouTube and a bunch of other wrestling sites have picked it up. And I'll tell you one thing I've noticed, and I knew this already, but it's really noticeable now. You want to talk about polarizing. Yeah. People either love him or hate him. I can't believe some of the hateful comments this guy's getting. Well, like I mean, are... I, I can because he's said some shit recently, particularly, that, yeah. you know, I don't want associated with. I mean, you know that. And it goes yep. without saying, guys, what Vince Russo says outside of Fightful.com does not reflect us. It does not reflect Jimmy, me. That's him. And I don't approve of a lot of the things that he says. I don't like them. I'm... To be quite honest, I'm disgusted by some of the stuff he said. Don't like the types of stuff that he said about uh, Ryan Satin, who's a friend of mine, Wade Keller, who I respect, Dave Meltzer, who I respect. Mm. I'm not on board with that stuff, but what what Vince and I are going to do is something that it's like did did I have questions when I first started working with Vince? Oh yeah. And he would be the first to tell you that I was kind of confrontational when I first worked with him because mm -hmm. my thing was I'm not compromising my integrity for anybody since then when vince and i have spoken it's always been good with the exception of one argument and when we work professionally good stuff happens and i think that we can at least put forth some entertaining stuff mm -hmm. i'll put it like this not everybody at cnn represents everybody else and that's that's the same here yeah, and, and you know, I got to tell you, I, I don't know Vince on a personal level as well as you do because I've only talked to him uh, about business. But the Vince Russo that I have dealt with has been nothing but a pleasure to work with, honestly. He's been easy to work with. He's been professional. 
he's been cool to work with. And I know that a lot of people, when we kind of announced we were bringing him back to do stuff on the show, there was a lot of, there was not a lot, but there was some negative feedback. And mm-hmm. I know, I know certain guys reached out to you and said, what are you doing? So I, I kind of want to make it clear. We're bringing him back for segments on this podcast to talk about wrestling stories from his time in the WWF, WCW, and TNA. That's why we're bringing him back. We're not here to talk to him about politics, about religion, about what he thinks of the airport. About wrestling nothing. journalism. Not doing yeah, that. Touching nothing. that one. No, it's it's about stories from the past. And again, Vince has always been cool to me, and I know he's always been cool to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of the, I mean, it's one thing if you don't like him, and people are, they can have that that opinion if they want. But some of the hateful comments this guy's getting, where people are saying like "fuck you" and "go back to New York" and really hateful stuff. And and I just think like, what has he done to you to to kind of deserve that? But. Uh, but yeah, like you said, the opinions expressed by Vince do not reflect those of myself, you, Fightful.com. But uh, well, we're here to may- tell stories. I think maybe you're not as plugged into some of his comments as maybe as maybe I am because you know I got a ton of those DMs. He said some pretty rough stuff, and I have a person that mm-hmm. says liberals are so sensitive. It has nothing to do with that. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to do with liberal or conservative or – he can dislike – those people, all he wants, it's his freedom to do so. That doesn't mean I'm going to stand behind any of his statements and stuff. Those are his. Those are his. Right. He's entitled to them. Doesn't have to be my cup of tea, but we are going to bring you all some some nice segments with Vince for that that uh, maybe uh, unveil some stuff that that haven't been unveiled before. Yeah. Hey, it worked with J.J. Dillon. Here, here's my question. Yeah. Do yeah. you think J.J. Dillon has any idea he is in the New York Post or the Sun right now? No, I'm actually going to hit him up later, and uh, and the mutual friend that introduced me to JJ, I'm going to call him later and tell him. So, uh, JJ, again, for those of you that might be new to the show, JJ does a segment called Storytime with JJ Dillon. Uh, last week, he talked about The Undertaker and about when Vince McMahon first met him, he had the the idea of a Viking character from Mark Calloway, which ended up a year later going to John Nord as the no, just, Berserker. Just a couple months later. A couple months later, Okay. So uh, we, we talked about that on the show. We turned it into a news post on FIFO.com. It has been picked up by the UK Sun. It's been picked up by news.com.au, which is a big uh, online news site in Australia. It was picked up by the New York Post. It's crazy. And it was a one-off comment that he made on the podcast. It's, yeah, one of those things, man. That makes me happy because when I talk to J.J. Dillon, the conversation that you and I had was he takes a long time to get into the meat of stuff because he feels like he has to reintroduce people. I got the feeling that he's afraid of being forgotten. Right, yes. And things like this make me really happy, and I think that when he hears that, he'll be really happy too. I hope I, I so. can film with him this week because I haven't heard back from him. Yeah, but, um, we'll figure something out. We'll figure something out. Uh, one more thing. One more thing about Vince I want to bring up. Um, I saw the table for three episode on the network this week. I haven't week. seen it yet. Okay, so I saw it, and it, it featured Jim Cornette and Vince, Ru- Vince uh, Eric Bischoff, along with uh, Michael Hayes. And Cornette was the catalyst for kind of ripping Vince on the air. Uh, and Bischoff would kind of agree with them, and they would kind of joke around back and forth about Vince Russo. I texted Sean, and I said, do you want to hit up Vince, see if he wants to tape a little segment commenting on that? And Vince uh, res- responded and he said, and I'm bringing this up because people might be wondering, oh, is he going to talk about that on, on this podcast? He responded and he said, not interested, will just piss me off, too old to get pissed off. Uh, ironically enough, I noticed today, we're taping this on Wednesday, the 31st of May, he is exchanging barbs with Eric Bischoff on Twitter now. 
because Bischoff called him a con man. So they've been exchanging barbs. Mm-hmm. But uh, Vince, I don't think, is going to talk about that on this show anytime soon. So Yeah. And he shouldn't. I mean... But it's... later today, later today, we got the first Russo reveals, and yeah. it's going to be about about Degeneration X, and it's it was interesting. This yeah, is, I, this is why we wanted him. I had asked him about the Val Venus thing uh, about Sean Waltman, who brought up that Vince pitched Val Venus, and he said, "Well, I'm sure I did, but I can't remember that in particular." Right. But then he went into a very interesting story about the New Age Outlaws. Yeah, don't more... tell the whole story now. I'm but, not but... telling a whole damn story. Yeah, don't do it. But I mean, I don't guess I can. Don't ruin it, Sean. Don't ruin it, Hollywood. Before, uh, do you have a list today? Because before we get into it, I think we're deep enough into this show. We could probably talk a little more about the Undertaker, thanks to our buddy JJ Dillon. Sure. So, Let's guys, I spoke to JJ Dillon, of course, as always. He uh, wanted to elaborate more on the Undertaker and especially what what Vince McMahon thought of the Undertaker initially. So here we go, story time with J.J. Dillon. When a guy like The Undertaker walks in, and he's not found his big, big break in wrestling until this point, and he had been wrestling for six years, does Vince McMahon look at him after that first meeting and say, this is a guy that we'll be able to lean on for a while, or is it just a, well, we'll see how it goes type of thing? I think it's a work, it is a work in progress that, that you may envision a level of success with a guy, but sometimes... I mean, I can relate to the horseman. That was a spontaneous thing that was not something that was the brainchild of, of creative. It just, it was a spontaneous thing that the fans picked up on. And we never, never in our wildest dreams imagined that it would become as big as it became or last as long as it did. Same thing with the individual characters uh, at, at the uh, WWF slash WWE. And, and The Undertaker... What to me is, and I, I, I have so much respect for him professionally and as a person because he is a great guy. But when you think about what he did as that character, he, did, he didn't do much. But what he did, he did well. When he, and he wasn't the first one to walk the top rope as big as he was. Don Jardine, the spoiler, walked the top rope uh, long before The Undertaker did. And the spot where they would do something devastating to him and he would lay in there and all of a sudden, when he would sit up, that roof would blow off the building. Something as simple as that. And then he he morphed over time. You know, he became you know, more tattoos. He became a biker for a while. It was still The Undertaker, but it was something that was added to that. You know, more tools in his toolbox where he, he was still doing the same things, but it wasn't it just a rehash of the same old thing. Forever. Undertaker got a short-lived championship run about a year in. Did that shock you? Because that didn't that wasn't the type of thing you saw a lot. I mean, people remember the Ultimate Warrior and stuff, but he was he was a few years in and that that was even kind of quick. But the Undertaker had a short-lived like couple of day run uh in 1991. Did it shock you that Vince was so quick to go with him in that spot even? Uh, not really because when I first went there, they were running three tours every night. And they were doing, I think, four major pay-per-views. And then it expanded from there. So wrestling is an athletic soap opera that's 52 weeks out of the year that is never ending. 
you know, everything that we see with any television show, regardless of whatever your favorite is, Game of Thrones or whatever, it, it, it has a season and then it has a break and then it comes back and tries to recapture their audience. But wrestling never ends. And so that's a challenge from the creative side to perpetuate that. And what you try to avoid is the big highs and the big valleys that you that you you're better off if you can kind of keep a steady thing and it's still going to be uh cyclical at times where you you get a little bunch a little bump because somebody really catches fire or all of a sudden just things run their course faster than you thought they would and you don't have something else hot and ready um i think to me that's why i'm still a fan it's still the greatest business business in the world but um it, it it's like andre the giant andre the giant was a great great drawing card you didn't want him going after chasing the world title because you want the world title on somebody else so that you have two things to put on the marquee a title match and wow the eighth wonder of the world andre the giant and i think undertaker would be another example that yes he, he did have a short run as a title thing, but that was, and I don't know where Vince's head was at that time, why he did that, but that was never going to be the focus of, of what his goal was like, to be world champion. He was to be the undertaker. Jimmy, did you show up late? Jimmy, what are you doing? I am here at a Toronto medical facility. How long did we have dead air while you were off doing that? Zero. I'm here at a Toronto medical facility, Jimmy. Your wife is giving birth and you're not here. Why are you all wet? I ran. I ran. <laughs> I ran? put my suit jacket on. Vitura's here. Zoro's here. Nigel's really? here. Melissa. Lindsay, really? We're all here. You know what? I need to talk to Lindsay for a minute. Would you mind uh, putting her on camera for me? No, she's she didn't she didn't sign a release. Sorry. <laughs> oh my God. Jimmy, okay. why, why? How am I here and you're not here? I'm just now seeing the image because our thing is on tape delay. So I'm I'm just now seeing the image. You're really going the extra mile today, man. I, I ran at least three of them. Where'd the suit jacket come from all of a sudden? I had it. I, you think I'm going to the Sky Dome dressed as a scoundrel? You think I'm going to be in town for the birth of your child dressed like a hobo? I may look like one because I had to run. Physically but your, your t-shirt's the same. All you did is throw a jacket over top of it. You have got to get with the style today, Jim. <laughs> Biz cash, my friend. You think I'm going to show up there in a vest? <laughs> Good for you, man. Good for you. You're creative. Good for you. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. This is amazing. Jimmy Jr. will be here soon. He'll be here soon. I thought at first when I saw you all wet like that, I thought that you like dove head first into the placenta. This is disgusting, Jimmy. What the hell is going on? It is disgusting. I just can't believe this shows you how dedicated Jimmy is to Fightful.com. Yeah, I told my wife, just hold it in for an hour. Like you can give it an hour. You know? I'm almost oh I'll, I'll be I'll be on my way when this is finished. 
So we hope to have some more stuff from JJ. Great, great to hear from him about. I want to uh, say one thing about what he said. So he was. Yeah. You asked him about the title reign, Tedros mm-hmm. title reign. Uh, the reason they did that is because they wanted to put over that pay per view, the Tuesday, Tuesday in Texas, Texas. pay per view. That's why they did it. Yeah. Because back then you didn't see a lot of that. You didn't see guys right. like given title reigns like a year in. That was unheard and, of back then. And for two days back then they didn't yes. really do that either, right? That's also but a good that's point. that's why they did it. And and when he compared Taker to Andre the Giant, that's a good comparison because that's kind of how Taker was for a lot of years. Yeah, you know? yeah, and. It's funny because, like, if Undertaker were around these days, I don't know how, like, in the ring, how he right. would be perceived. Because he didn't do a whole lot back then. As JJ back said, then. he didn't do a whole lot. He evolved. No. He adapted. And that, that's a big, 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 uh, big, important aspect of a Braun Strowman today. He's got to evolve, and he does. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's on your list? I want to talk briefly about the toddler that died from the Batista bomb. Yeah. Uh, for a minute. So anybody that's not familiar with this, it was a two-year-old girl named Addie Cook. She died in St. Louis, Missouri. A 24-year-old man uh, has been charged with murder. I'm not sure if that was the father because they never really said so. Uh, but uh, the 19-year-old mother has also been charged named Cheyenne Cook. Father's name or the, the, the man's name, Richard Gamashi. Um, he admitted to police that he was performing wrestling moves on this little girl, including a Batista bomb. The stepfather said that the girl's condition, she looked like she was, uh, run over by a car. That was the condition that she was in physically. When I hear stories like this, because now I'm a father of a two year, two and a half year old. And you know, what's funny, Sean is before I got married and had a kid, I never wanted to get married and I never wanted to have a kid. I think I've told you this before. And I was never a fan of kids. I never liked kids when I was when I was younger. And, and if you're at a family function and if a kid came in my direction, I wanted them to kind of go away. I was never a fan. Now that I have a two-and-a-half-year-old girl, she's my world. And when I hear stories like this, that really pisses me off. So uh, I hope that they uh, get justice. And I hope that he gets a few beatings uh, in prison to boot. So Yeah, that's uncalled for. Uh, like, I get it. They're small. You can do the, you can do the move to them. It's a baby, man. It's unbelievable. I mean, my, my kid's two and a half, so not much older than that kid. Yeah. I would never, even if it was on a big bed or in a pool, I would never Batista bomb my kid. Yeah. Like that's, Vinny Fernando know. says they're going to have to start airing those PSAs again. Yeah, probably. Yeah. That's yeah. that's really, really heartbreaking, man. There are a lot of adults that I've that have came and worked with us, and they can't take the moves right. Really right. good athletic adults. Right. And, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not a kid. I worked and volunteered at a Boys and Girls Club of America for years. I loved that. That's, that's the extent of yep. how I ever wanted to work with kids. But you, you got to know, I, I know, not as an adult. Don't do that. Don't yeah. do that. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable that, that you do that to a, to a two-year-old kid that can't defend themselves and whatever. So I, I thought that was unfortunate. I wanted to talk about that. Uh, moving on, I want to talk about Jinder Mahal again. Yeah. Um, I got a good, very good question from somebody on the weekend, Sean. Okay. Uh, what they said to me was, so when we talked about Jinder last week and we talked about the business decision behind him getting the title, and I mentioned that uh, the last tour of India was in January of last year and that there were plans announced at that time to do a tour of India this year in September, 
Uh, Dave Meltzer says that that's not currently on the schedule. So even though they announced it last January, it's not currently on the schedule. So somebody hit me up and they said to me, and it was a very valid point. They said to me, if um, 10-1, which is part of 10 Sports in India, if they currently are airing Raw, SmackDown, and the pay-per-views for free, how does WWE intend to make money in India uh, which is why Ginger was given Ginger, which is why Ginger was given this push out of the blue. Uh, and that's a very valid point, right? So the first thing we need to say is there's no guarantee this is going to work. This is a shot in the dark. Uh, and WWE, I think, knows that. They knew putting the title on Ginger when he was enhancement talent for eight months, it's a risk and it might not work. Uh, and you never know, within six months, he might be back to putting guys over again if it doesn't work. But the reason they did it or how they, they hope to make money, number one is merchandise. They released his first T-shirt already. Uh, and I noticed that it went into the regular shop first, but within a few days it did go into the India shop, wweshop.in. So they hope to make money with the merchandise. Now, the, there's a very valid point about the network. Why would people subscribe to the network if they get the pay-per-views in India for free now? Uh, and that's a very valid question. And the only answer I can give you is that right now the major pay-per-views air live in India, uh, which is WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and the Survivor Series are the main three. The rest of them air on tape delay because there's a massive time difference. I think they are at four o'clock in the morning live in India uh, for the for the main ones. The B shows air on tape delay. I think uh, f- uh, later that same day they air. So the first answer is they'd be able to get all the shows live, even though that might not be incentive because they come on so early in the morning, but they still get them all live. And then the other answer to that is that there's a lot of non-pay-per-view content on the network that shows up frequently in the top 10 every week with uh, Bring It to the Table, Table for Three, Ride Along, whatever, W and, and the specials, the 24 specials. So they could do all that with Jinder Mahal. They could yes. do it, right? And, and that's probably what they're going to do. And so that's how they're hoping that people are going to sign up to the network. And again, it's a risk and it might not work, but that's what they're hoping is going to happen. Thus far, it looks like Impact may have reaped the benefits of Jinder Mahal. Uh, they they got to feel pretty happy that that happened right before they went to India. And spoiler alert, guys, put their X Division title on Sanjay Dutt, which, you know, I don't, a lot of people were like, ah, sick PR move, gross. I'm like, nah, not really. Sanjay Dutt's more than worthy of being X Division champion. He probably should have been already, like, a decade yeah. ago. Because he was one Did of the big see- reasons why I watched it. Did you see the message I sent you when uh, you tweeted, congratulations, yeah. Sanjay Dutt? I thought for sure when I saw your tweet, oh my god, they put the Impact title on Sanjay Dutt. Like, well, they're ripping WWE. Fun, Funny story, I asked an Impact wrestler what they thought about the Jinder Mahal thing. And they said, well, that's, he's, he's a really, really hard worker and he'll, he'll make the best of it. He'll, he has a chance of making this work and says, Mahaba, and this person who works for Impact says, Mahabali Shara sucks and will never get it. Mm. And here's the crazy thing. You remember Rinka King? Yes. He yes. was their champion five and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. So imagine how much he doesn't get it now and how bad he was five and a half years ago. Right, right. Well, you know what? Jinder, by all accounts, seems like a good guy. Uh, and you don't hear anything really negative about him. Everybody likes him. And he's Canadian to boot, man. So I hope I hope it works out for him, but we're going to find out, you know? Yeah, there, there's, there's There's obviously limitations to his game currently uh, that we've seen. Like his promos haven't been the greatest. He's decent in the ring, but he's not the greatest in the ring. So we'll see, you know? Yeah, what do you got next on the list, or do you? 
Oh, man, I have so much stuff on the list. And I know we're doing extra segments with Russo and all that, so might have to cut down. I want to talk about the television ratings. Why? Uh, because I want to talk about something Brandon Howard posted on Twitter this week. Okay, that's that I thought, worth it. Thought that was, oh, thanks. Thanks. So if it's me wanting to talk about it, oh, what, what's the point? But if Brandon Howard posts something, oh, well, now it's interesting. You're great. So we've talked about it before on the show, but the television ratings, obviously, they're down. Uh, and obviously, there's really no way to put a positive spin on it when you lose 300,000 viewers between, say, the 9 o'clock hour and the 10 o'clock hour on Raw, which is what happened last week. It's hard to put a positive spin on that. Those 300,000 people did not decide, I'm going to watch it all on Hulu later on. Clearly, they're losing viewers because of the content. Um, but um, we've talked about the changing television landscape. And it is different now. People are cutting the cord. People are, are turning to streaming options like Hulu and the network and illegal services and stuff like that. Brandon Howard posted a chart on Twitter showing TV viewing habits by age demographic from Q1 2011 to Q3 2016. And I thought this was very telling. And this is concerning for WWE. Or If they're not aware of it, they should be concerned. So when you look at the youngest demos, the 12 to 17 age demo and the 18 to 24 age demo, in Q1 of 2011, they were each watching between 25 and 27 and a half hours a week of television. That's in Q1 of 2011. Now, by Q3 of 2016, they were both averaging 15 hours a week in television viewing, meaning that they're both down by over 10 hours a week. Every other age demo on Brandon's chart is down in, in TV viewing from 2011 to now, except for the 65 plus demo. The 65 plus demo has gone up. Um, where this is an issue for WWE is, number one, WWE's average viewer right now is in the early 40s, so they're already getting older. Um, number two, 30, 37% of their audience, this was as of uh, 2015, I believe, 37% of their audience is over 50. 44% of their audience is in that 18 to 49 demo, which is the, the one that's desirable to advertisers. Uh, but the problem is with uh, TV uh, viewing patterns changing, the different TV landscape, dwindling industry in the product, and the, the TV audience aging in terms of younger people that are completely dropping off. In 10 years, where are they going to find their new viewers? If those people are completely dropping off and their current audience is aging, in 10 years, where are they going to find their audience? It, it so that's It doesn't that's help that they bring back people from 15, 20 years ago that beat up all the guys they have now because perception is reality in wrestling. It's okay if you do that every once in a while, but right. when it's all the time – that's a problem, and I don't know I mean, where, the, the, where it's going to come from. I don't see as many younger viewers, a younger engagement as as before. I, I don't. I mean, there, there there isn't. I mean, it's it's factual that it isn't. You know, in the past, they always talked about how wrestling is cyclical, right? And it has its peaks and it has its valleys. And the '80s was a peak, and the '90s, late '90s, was a peak. Who knows if something's going to click? Maybe they'll have the right character come along, the right storyline come along, and it'll click with that younger audience. That better happen because me, if that doesn't happen. To me, I think they need to stop trying to make them the brand, the marquee, and let individual right. stars break out. Right, right. And we've talked about that too, about how in the 90s when Vince was a little more desperate because of competition, he let guys have more freedom. Uh, but now that there really is no competition, uh, he's handcuffed everybody. And, and you're seeing the results of it. Obviously, as fans of the product, as fans of wrestling, we want things to succeed. And so I hope that they do click with the right character and with the right storyline so that uh, things can change. But 
it is a little concerning because, again, 10 years from now, if their average now is in the 40s, maybe 10 years from now, the average is going to be in the 50s. At that point, you're no longer in the desirable demo for advertisers, which means USA Network is not going to pay you as much yeah. on a TV rights contract. So CM I guess Punk we'll see. was the guy that they had that broke out into the mainstream, was getting coverage from everybody after that promo. Right. And what they do? They immediately had him lose to Triple H. He probably right. the entire summer, like he should have won that title and probably never lost it until when he did eventually really lose it. There shouldn't have been a the Del Rio, the Cena, the Triple H thing. It should have been probably just CM Punk that whole time. They should right. have really capitalized on that. And he could have had a heel turn there, but mm-hmm. they wanted to make the brand bigger and. Mm-hmm. It's a bummer. Why don't we hit the nicknames? Let's do it. The nicknames. Let's do it, man. This is a stupid song. It just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. I get so tired of this big dog shit. So, first off, once again, I'm going to do this every week. I want to thank Trevor Strong for uh, the usage of that song on the little intro. Uh, Go to trevorstrong.org to check out his work. And I also want to uh, credit Gigi at Guzomatic because he came through again, man. He came through again. And I am going to send you that signed Edge book. I got your address, and I'm going to send you a copy. So he got me nickname usage for WWE Raw this week. Uh, And then I'm going to give you a few examples because I like to do that. So. There were uh, a total of 75 examples of nicknames being used on Raw, 75. Wow. Uh, Big Dog was said 13 times, The Boss 9, The Architect 7, The Gentleman 6. Those were the main ones that were used. And who said it the most? Who do you think? Corey Graves. Corey Graves and Michael Cole, 29 times each. Ooh. Well, I, I think maybe a little bit of that is because Corey Graves is involved in other stuff on the show. Right. Had he been there a little bit more, maybe he would have got it. Very possible. Very possible. Now, I asked uh, Gigi at Guzomatic to do something extra for me this week. Uh, I wanted him to count how many times Michael Cole says either champion or championship. Because, as you know, uh, the commentators are a little handcuffed, Sean. They're not supposed to say belt anymore. Uh, I can't recall if they're allowed to say title still. But uh, they're, they're handcuffed on the words that they're allowed to use, which means that he doesn't have a lot of choice. So I wanted to know, in, uh, in a three-hour Raw show, Michael Cole said champion or championship 32 times. Okay? Now, I broke it down. I did a little bit of math, Sean. Uh, there, are, there is typically 15 minutes of commercial time in every one hour of television. That's on average. Uh, that means that there's 45 minutes of airtime per hour, right? On average. That means that if you take into account 10 minutes of, of overage on raw, because they usually go a little over the 11 o'clock hour, mm-hmm. that means that there's about 145 minutes of airtime per week on raw, right? Yes. That means that um, every 1.9 minutes of raw airtime, they used a nickname, right? Every 1.9 minutes. And every four and a half minutes, Michael Cole said champion or championship. And if you put that into perspective, I mean, not every match is a championship match. Matter of fact, most of them aren't. Correct. And yet every four and a half minutes he's saying that and every 1.9 minutes. You have one unheard message. 
Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, they're saying one of the nicknames. So. It's the, the shove it down your throat way yeah. of WWE these days. It's just It is, it is. Now I have a few examples because this is the fun part, Sean. This is the part that you look forward to the most every week. Is when I, I have to it? You absolutely do. Sean hits me up on like Saturday night saying, hey, how many nickname examples have you written down so far? And I have to keep telling him, dude, the Raw's not till Monday. So you got to wait. Somebody brought but, up a good uh, point. They don't even have a world title on the show right now. That's true too, yes. They do not. Uh, so here's some good ones. So this is for Michael Cole. Rich Swan loves to have fun, but boy, is he competitive. Who doesn't love to have fun? I don't know. Then uh, when Alexa Bliss came out, Michael Cole said, and he yelled this one, five feet of fury. That was good. Mm. Then uh, when Jack Gallagher uh, was, was starting to make his comeback, Michael Cole said, critical point in the match for the gentleman. Yeah. That was awesome. Then when it came time to the main event, as you just alluded to, uh, Corey Graves said, the architect is in the, is in the big dog sights, he yeah. said. And uh, the last one comes from Roman Reigns, Reigns himself. Roman Reigns said, I only care about showing that I am the big dog and why this is my art. Do you think a time is ever going to come, and we've talked about this before, is a time ever going to come when the light switch goes on in the head of Roman Reigns and he realizes I am of value to this company, they're building this brand around me, I don't have to say this shit. Is that time ever going to come with him or do you think he just doesn't really get it? Uh, I don't know. Um, because let me tell you tough. something. If he doesn't have the creativity and the insight to recognize how stupid that shit is, he's not going to succeed as the top guy. Because when you look at the guys that have succeeded, like The Rock and Steve Austin and John Cena, they would never go for that bullshit. Are you kidding me? Correct. They would never go for that bullshit. If Roman Reigns is going to continue to say that crap in promos when he's clearly the top guy, is he ever going to figure it out? It's, it's, uh, it goes right back to the matter of a, somebody being big enough to say no, and he is. I don't think Absolutely. he – maybe, maybe he doesn't realize he is. But valuing the brand over the name – when in reality, the names make the brand, and they want it to be the other way so badly. It, it, of course, the brand helps make the name, 
but the right. name can always become bigger. Right. Now, yeah, I want to tell you a funny story. At one point, uh, we were watching the triple threat match on Monday with Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, and Bray Wyatt. And my wife and I were, were joking about, man, this is refreshing. This has been like 10 minutes. What are you looking at? You're still in the hospital? Yeah. So we were looking at that triple threat match, and we thought, this is refreshing. It's been like 10 minutes. They haven't used any nicknames. And then we realized, oh, yeah, it's because Finn doesn't currently have one, and Samoa Joe doesn't currently have one. The Dean. And they're not going to – and well, I guess. And they're, they're not going to say the Eater of Worlds 18 times when he's the only guy with a nickname. Yeah. So that was refreshing. That was like a solid 10 minutes with no nickname usage. You know. So if you eliminate that 10 minutes, boy, those averages go way up. They go way up. They do. Now, there was one one comment made on the show, and I, you can't even really call it a nickname, but there was one comment made on the show that I actually really liked. And I want to be positive sometimes, Sean. I want to talk about positive things and not shit on the company all the time. Scott Dawson, when talking about Enzo Amore, he called Enzo Amore, uh, Amore the tilapia of WWE. <laughs> that was great. I thought that was great. Now, in case anybody doesn't know, tilapia is a bottom-feeding fish, and they're known to eat shit, literally. Uh, and so that's what he called Enzo, Enzo Amore, the tilapia of WWE, and I thought that was awesome. Do you think that they'll explain that on the air? He did say bottom feeder. He did say he's yeah. the tilapia of WWE. He's a bottom feeder. Yeah. But I don't know. Do you realize that a lot of chicken farms now keep the chicken pens over water, and they also double as tilapia farms – because when the pigeons shit in their cages, it goes in the water, and that's what the tilapia you mean the chickens? Eats. When the chickens? What did I say? Pigeons. I'm sorry, chickens. Chickens. Yeah. Maybe there's pigeon farms, too. Maybe. But, but when the chickens shit, yeah, it goes in the water, and that's what t- the tilapia eat. Did you know that? I didn't know that. That's I didn't fact. know that tilapia eat shit, either. They do. They do. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. The more yeah. you know. Yep. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Oh, and one other point I wanted to bring up. We've spoken a couple of times on the show about how Booker T doesn't tend to say the nicknames. Correct. Right? Uh, he said one thing, and I thought it was interesting. So this was during uh, the cruiserweight tag, and uh, Graves and Cole had said king of the cruiserweights a few times, right? Mm-hmm. And you know Booker T? I think Booker T is almost going out of his way not to say the stupid nicknames. Yes. So, so Booker T said, and I'm going to read this, he said uh, – you can tell that Neville is the alpha of the cruiserweight division, in my opinion. So he didn't want to say king of the cruiserweights. So wait, he chose wait, wait. to. Did he say you can tell, in my opinion? Because. Yes, he did. That is an oxymoron. It's Booker T, man. He's not That's a. True. He's not That's a. Good point. You know, he's not a, a, a scholarly educated, university educated man. But uh, but I thought it was interesting that he put Neville over as being kind of like the king of the cruiserweights without saying he's the king of the cruiserweights. Yeah. Well, Booker T has been around for decades and knows how to get people over when he's talking about them. So it's true. It's true. Now I think we need to talk next about Stephanie McMahon. Why? Because the Kurt Angle, Corey Graves storyline. Oh yeah. I got to tell you, man, when I saw Corey Graves go to Kurt Angle on raw and Kurt read that text message. You just you just made me unexcited for this storyline because initially I was like, this is cool. And then now that you got me thinking, oh, of course. As soon as Kurt read the message, uh, and, and there's one quote, he said, uh, 
The text message said that Kurt is a disgrace and embarrassment to the WWE, and he besmirched his reputation as an Olympic gold medalist. When I first heard that, the first thing that came to mind was William Regal. Yes. Because I thought besmirched, right? Yes. But then when I thought about it a little bit more, and I thought about the fact that Corey Graves is the one that got the text message, and Corey Graves is kind of positioned as a kiss-ass on television, I thought to myself, shit, this is going to be their way of bringing Stephanie back to television so that she can now be little Kurt – uh, and it's probably going to lead to Kurt having a match at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. There's probably going to be something that leads to a match at SummerSlam. And that really kind of bummed me out because I don't think I'm alone in saying this. We do not need Stephanie McMahon back on television. Nope. Her, her character is tired. Her character is condescending. Her character is a heel that never gets her comeuppance. We do not need her back on television. And if that is where they're going, which is where I think they're going, we don't need it. It's we funny because – the last time I said that, somebody said, Vicky got her comeuppance. I was like, yeah, and then she was never on the show again. Vicky Guerrero's last appearance ever. And then this Seth Rollins thing, kind of. But that was to write her off of TV. That wasn't to like... Well, the only reason that Vicky got to throw Stephanie in the pudding is because in real life, Vicky Guerrero is one of the most respected people in WWE. Everybody loves Vicky Guerrero. And Stephanie did that at a respect to Vicky on her last night. By the way, That's guys, if you want some Vicky Guerrero content, I did a Fightful Books It last week of Aiden English, who is uh, Vicky Guerrero's son-in-law now. And Vicky's involved in that that angle that I push. So go check that out over on our podcast page. Good plug, man. Good plug. I so what do you think? Do you, do you think this is where they're going? Do you think that Stephanie's going to be returning now and, and they're going to do the Kurt versus Stephanie thing? Probably now that you mention it, but I hope it looks not. like it to me. But yeah. I hope not because it's a really interesting. Hey, you know, really you know how, thing. you know how Hunter likes to plug himself into big storylines and big matches. I'm wondering if it's going to lead to Kurt versus Triple H at SummerSlam. I, w- I would be okay with that match. I'm sure it would be yeah. a really good match. The match would be good. Yeah, but because it, it looks like the way they're positioning it is Vince is the one that brought Kurt back, uh, and Stephanie's the one that wants to be in charge. So it, it makes sense storyline-wise that there would be that conflict. But again, all that's going to happen is Stephanie's going to belittle him. She's going to yell at him. She's going to slap him in the face. And he's going to be able to do nothing but stand there and take it. And it's it's tired and it's overdone and I don't want to see it. Yeah. Here, here's a little thing on my list this week. Yeah. WWE edited the entire This Is Your Life portion of the Alexa Bailey promo out of their YouTube clip. We have a story up on Fightful.com right now. It was really bad. It was terrible. And you know what? You can, you can say the whole making chicken, shit, uh, making chicken salad out of chicken shit thing. Alexa was given such bad material. She tried her best. I think Alexa is actually solid when it comes to promo work. Uh, and she tried her best, but they gave her such crap that – what could she do? I mean, she was completely shit on. She she was able to stifle the what chance pretty good. But that was such an awful, terrible segment. Um, I'm glad they pulled it out of their, their – no one needs to see that again. I'm glad never, ever, ever. Never. And no. you, could, you could watch Raw on YouTube and not miss a thing. Yep. And with them eliminating that, man. Yep. I want to talk about what do you consider to be a casual fan in 2017? Casual wrestling fan. The reason I want to talk about it is because Dave Meltzer had said something on his radio show last week. According to his definition, I am a casual wrestling fan. 
Really? Uh, yes. And I, I found that very interesting. So he was talking about 205 Live and he was talking about the uh, uh, lack of interest in the show. And he said that there are a certain number of people that are only going to watch wrestling for a couple of hours a week. And he called them casual fans. He said they might watch a couple hours of Raw. They might watch an hour of Raw and an hour of SmackDown. Uh, but he said that's going to be about it. He said the ones that watch more than that, they're going to watch, going to watch NXT or they're going to watch 205 Live. Those are the more, more hardcore wrestling fans. But the ones that watch a couple of hours are the casual wrestling fans. I personally, because between running a company, having a family, uh, I watch two to three hours a week max. And typically what I'll do is I'll catch highlights on YouTube, uh, usually for SmackDown. I'll watch highlights on YouTube instead of watching the show. So what do you think? Because the television landscape has changed, as we've talked about. And so I think just because you're not watching five hours hours of television doesn't mean that you're not paying attention. I agree. And, again, that's, and, and again, that doesn't mean that you can excuse 300,000 people dropping off the show from the 9 o'clock hour to the 10 o'clock hour. Clearly they're doing that because they're losing interest. But I think if you're only watching a couple hours, that doesn't necessarily mean you're a casual fan in today's landscape. So what do you think? So it, it's funny because, you know, I've, I've thrown around the number of hours that I work usually in a week, at least 60. And people are like, gosh, that's a lot. Well, at least 10 of that, at least on a non-pay-per-view week, is pro, pro wrestling. Right. Watching that, three hours raw, two of SmackDown, one of 205 Live, two of Impact, one of Lucha Underground, one of NXT. If there's a New Japan show, that's an extra three hours. If there's a pay-per-view, that's an extra four hours at least. Yep. Then TNA will have some stuff, or Impact will have some stuff too. That's even before you get an MMA. And each one of those shows, five, six hours long. Yep. If I could, I would watch Raw on YouTube. Or I would watch it on Hulu. But I would still consider myself a pretty hardcore viewer of wrestling, even though mm -hmm. I would... Maybe in all, watch forty-five minutes of that program, and maybe thirty mm -hmm. minutes of SmackDown. Right. So, I mean, I would still consider myself a hardcore fan. I would watch all of NXT because it's an hour long. Well, forty-five minutes when you fast-forward through entrances and stuff. Yeah, I just I think that's that's tough to say because I mean, I know a lot of people who just are really religious followers of wrestling who just don't watch that many hours of wrestling. Yeah. I consider myself to be that person. I, I think that it's kind of an old school way of thinking to think that if you're not watching the television show, then you're not a fan or that you're a casual fan. I know what's going on with everything. I mean, I'm not a big New Japan guy, but I know what's going on with NXT. I know what's going on with 205. I know what's going on with Raw and SmackDown. I keep tabs a little bit on Impact uh, and, and on Ring of Honor. I know what's going on, but there just aren't enough hours in the day or in the week to watch them all. So correct, absolutely, and they're talking about adding a, a UK show regularly, a possibly a women's show regularly. A women's show, right? And yeah. if you do that, I don't know how you can keep main event on unless you have international distribution deals. Right, right. It's way too much content. They're they're producing well, way too much. Well, their their line of thinking was people like this independent UK wrestling. We'll we'll do our own. They like mm -hmm. shimmer and shine. We'll give them our own shimmer and shine. They right. like best of the super juniors. We'll give them best of the super juniors every single week. That's right. their way of thinking. And yeah. And also something that Brandon Howard had asked me about today. They were like, George Barrios said, we announced a deal with ICW last week. And Brandon's like, did they announce a deal with ICW last week? 
Hmm. I said, no, they didn't. They said they're sending Noam Dar there. They've I sent heard about Finn that. Balor there. Mm-hmm. But I think Barrios maybe kind of let a cat out of the bag there that maybe he wasn't supposed to. Now, Finn Balor, they used that for his special, right? Yes, they, they did. They did. So maybe maybe they're going to do another kind of special and they're going to include footage from that or something. For Noam Dar? Well, maybe no, not for Noam Dar, <laughs> but maybe maybe about like the international market, or maybe about the cruiserweight division, or something. Noam Dar is like one of the only reasons that I wish that Fox Sports would have taken the the broadcast rights to WWE. That way, we could hear him say live on Fox <laughs> every week. Awesome. So, should we uh, go to a new segment, there, man? No, nobody wants to see it. Nobody wants to, I know. There's no interest in this whatsoever. There's no interest in it. Okay, so last week, Vince Russo was the subject of, of uh, Sean Waltman, X-Pac, who said that Val Venus was pitched for DX by Vince Russo. Now, Vince Russo, when, when I spoke to him, said he didn't particularly remember that, but he doesn't doubt it at all because Sean Waltman has like a notoriously good memory. Like he, He's got a pretty vivid memory if you ever listen to his podcast, his interviews. But Vince did say that he had originally pitched for the New Age Outlaws to be NDX, and it didn't go down so well. So let's check that. You know I'm sexy. You're a millionaire. I'm a sexy boy. And now, returning to Fightful.com, the one, the only, Vincent Russo. Sean Ross Sapp, I never thought I'd say this in my entire lifetime, but I missed you, brother. I miss you. I miss talking to Sean Ross Sapp, bro. I definitely expected you to say that. Oh, okay. All right. I definitely expect you to say that. Now, we're, we're going to be telling some stories throughout uh, each week here on The List and your boy, and we're very glad to have you here. Were there ever any considerations that you remember, whether it be from you or anybody else, to add people to Degeneration X? Bro, here's what I remember the most, bro, and I love this. I love this. Uh, <laughs> I remember, bro, first of all, I have to give credit to, you know, a lot of people, oh, Vince takes credit for everything, which is absolute bull crap, bro. It's their narrative. I got to give all the credit in the world for, you know, Road Dog, Brian, uh, Jesse James, and badass Billy Gunn. Bro, Vince McMahon pitched that to me when we had Triple H, China, and Sean as DX. Vince, one day in a creative meeting, pitched to me that Brian James and Billy Gunn joined them. Bro, I looked at Vince like he was out of his mind. I, I did not see that. I, and I mean, bro, where they were that time at the card, they were certainly not up to the level of, you know, Sean Hunter in China. So, like, I thought Vince was freaking nuts. But, you know, Vince wanted to do it, so we did it. The next thing I had to do, bro, was I had to sell Sean and Hunter. Bro, they wanted no part of those guys. Absolutely no part. They felt those guys were beneath them. They felt those guys were going to bring DX down, which is why we did all the stuff with the New Age Outlaws on their own first. It was almost like a... um an audition, bro. And they had to prove themselves 
to Triple H and Sean. And then when they finally did and the time was right, we brought them into the fold. But, uh, yeah, bro, that was – I mean, that was a Vince pitch. And I got to tell you, I, I did not see that at all. So this had been in the cards for a while, obviously before Sean left because they they debuted with DX the next day. Yes. What would have happened had Sean maybe hung around? Well, you know, bro, here's the funny thing. Like, I'll never forget Vince saying this to me at the time, and he was dead on. You know, he, you know, bro, this was a time when WCW was taking all the talent from the WWE. I mean, this was, you know, Scott and, uh, uh, you know, and Kevin and Piper showed up there and Rick Rude. Like, every week it was somebody else. But those guys were veterans. And I remember Vince turned to me and he goes, he goes, Vince, he goes, we got all these young guys here. We got all this untapped talent. We need to use our young guys to combat, to combat those veterans. So, you know, that, that had a lot to do with giving those two guys the opportunity. So you mentioned that Sean and Hunter weren't on board. Was Sean like expected to stick around after WrestleMania by the time you all had pitched this? I think he was, bro. I think he was. It was always, you know, Sean, I swear it was. I, I, I And I've said this before, bro. I never, ever, ever saw anybody stand up to Vince McMahon the way Shawn Michaels did. Sean just did not care what he said to Vince. And, of course, bro, you fast forward 20 years later, Sean's a totally different guy now. And Sean would tell you I was the biggest prick back then because, bro, he was under the influence of, you know, a lot of things at the time. But, bro, it was such a freaking touchy situation with Sean. He, I mean, bro, he would tell Vince F you, you know, to his face. I mean, that's how Sean was. A lot of times I found myself in the middle of it. A lot, You know, bro, Sean threatened me once. Uh, you know, so it, 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 was, it was like dynamite, bro. You just – Sean wasn't a sure thing at that time. And like I said, bro, I think a lot of it had to do with he was – you know, he was under the influence of some stuff where he just wasn't in the right mind a lot of times, you know? Interesting. Imagine in 2017 if Finn Balor walked up to Vince McMahon and looked him in the eye and said, fuck you. Yeah. What do you think would happen if that happened in 2017? Well, I think the closest we've had to that is Dave Batista's run, and how long did that last? Yeah, someone tells me Dave Batista probably didn't have that kind of attitude in in terms of the way that he would talk to Vince. Yeah, you know? but I mean, he but, he did go out there and say, "I don't like this. This is stupid." I mean, I I think I still do that now. I'm sure that Cena's done that. Uh, I'm sure the only one that hasn't, like we talked about, is Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think a lot of other guys. I want to ask you, what do you think of that video intro? It's fantastic. I knew that we had to use that remix theme. I got to give credit to whoever made the song, too. I'm going to find out who did that, but Mm -hmm. that's fantastic. It's almost as impressive as me in one single jump, because I am Box Jump Jesus, made it from Toronto to Ewing, Kentucky. You did. You did. And you're, you're less wet. That means that you must have beaten your time. Well, here's the thing, Jimmy. I jumped. So the wind Uh. just, like, dried me off as I... It's that that brisk Canadian air. 
I got it. I it's got chilly it. up there in the atmosphere. Wasn't there a movie with, I think, Hayden Christensen where he was able to jump between worlds or something? Jumper? That might have been it. I think I watched it. I think I watched that in the theater. Yeah, that might have been it. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, 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 you know, somehow channeling him. Hey, 31 years old, have a box jump like that, I gotta say. I thought you were 32. I'll be 32 this year. Ah, okay. August okay. 30th. What are you getting me for my birthday? Uh, continued employment. Hey, I'm cool with that. I like my job. <laughs> no, we'll see, man. Because that's that's not far off from our anniversary with the, with the site. Oh, so. it's, it's, a, it's a couple months. Yeah, it's not far. So I might maybe maybe what I'll do is maybe I'll finally send you that uh, Fightful.com Ya Boy t-shirt <laughs> uh, that you can get, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Fightful. Maybe I'll send you one of those. You should. You should. Yeah. Uh, actually, in one month, it'll be a year. Since Fightful launched. Yeah, I, I still kind of look at August as, as yeah. the... Because technically we did go live in July, but it was like in beta. There was a lot of glitches. Yeah, we wanted to was, be live for UFC 200 at the time. It was something that I, I was particularly pushing. I was like, if we're running this kind of site, you gotta have... We gotta have some some things, some content up the week that Brock Lesnar is fighting. It made, it made and, too much sense. And what's, what's amazing about that is that means that we're almost a year since Brock fought Mark Hunt. Yeah. I mean, almost a year. Can you believe that already? Suspension will be up uh, pretty soon, too. Do you think he's going to fight again? Well, his suspension will be up. And then in at WrestleMania next year, his contract is up. Bellator's throwing a bunch of that money around. I guarantee you Bellator will at least make an offer. Don't you think? Now, I don't want to turn this into an MMA podcast again, but um, it's Brock Lesnar. So... Don't you think that he announced his retirement again to make it easier to come back because of the loophole with USADA? That's what yes. happened before. Yes. So anybody anybody that doesn't know that's not a fan of uh, MMA, when Brock came back for his fight last year against Mark Hunt, he was able to get find a loophole with drug testing because he had retired before. Uh, and they have a loophole for guys that have retired. There's not as long of a time that you have to be tested before you have your next fight. Brock, this time around, announced his retirement again, uh, even though people have said they think he might fight again. So I think he did that intentionally again so that if he wants to fight again, he can have a less, yeah, uh, to, less time protesting. To explain that, people who had left the UFC, whether they had been released, fired, cut, or retired before yeah. UFC agreed to the USADA deal, they could not be held contractually to UFC's new USADA deal. It's not fair. That'd right. be like if... It's it's just not fair. You can't have somebody agree to something they never agreed to. And when he came back, he was able to get in on that. But mm -hmm. now what they've done is they've changed that. Now if oh, they you have. yeah, well, to a degree. Because now you have to go through a 4 month, well you always had to go through a 4 month waiting period. If you take yourself out of the pool, if the UFC fires you, mm -hmm. then you have that that little bit of wiggle room. They, they, you don't have to go through the four-month thing. Because Angela Hill got fired by the UFC, then mm -hmm. re-signed, and they tried to make her wait. And everybody mm -hmm. was like, well, that's not fair. She didn't mm -hmm. take herself out of the pool. GSP's a good example. He entered himself into the pool when he didn't have to, then took himself back out. And then he had to wait the four months again. It's, it's kind of confusing. But if Brock Lesnar were to come back now... He mm -hmm. has since signed a contract that said 
well, I've removed myself from the USADA pool, and he would have to undergo that four months. If he went to Bellator, he would not. Now, did they ever announce what the substance was, like what, what it was that he was caught for? Because he Plomophine. failed the drug test. Plomaphene. And was that a supplement? Same thing John Jones failed for. A, sex, a sexual aid? Uh, it's clomiphene. Okay. I don't know what that is. That, I mean, it's the same thing. It's John Jones said it was in some tainted, like, knockoff Chinese Sex- Viagra or something. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yes. I thought Brock said it was some kind of a foot cream or something. They'll say about anything. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I want to talk about Nia Jax for a minute. Actually, you know what? Let's go back to Vince Russo first for a minute. Sure. So uh, Vince said in the clip weird this week on Monday that he reached out to Vince McMahon over the last week about coming back uh, and that Vince has gotten back to him. But, of course, Russo didn't go into any more detail. I personally think that it's never going to happen because Triple H is now bringing his guys in uh, and Stephanie as well. And I don't think Russo is going to fit that that whole thing. What are your thoughts? Do you think that there's any chance Vince Russo could ever return to WWE in a creative capacity? I don't. And I think that if something was in the works, he wouldn't have told me. Right. Right. And the other, the other way to look at it, too, is when he tried to go back that one time in the early 2000s. Uh, and there was a conflict, I think, with him and Stephanie, and there were, what, 25 writers by that point, and it just wasn't the right fit. If anything, it's worse now, you know? Yeah. So I... I, I, Stephanie's not involved in creative now, so that could be... No, she's not, but in terms of the number of writers, uh, and Hunter oversees creative with Vince now, with Vince McMahon, so I I think it'd be very tough. You know, the funny thing is, it seemed like the worst thing ever when Stephanie was in control of creative back then, yeah. And compared to now, I'm like, damn, kind of yeah. miss those days of, of I mean, great Bruce, Los Guerreros promos and cool yeah, stuff but like Bruce, that. Bruce Bruce Pritchard has acknowledged that Stephanie really had nothing to do with creative when she was yeah, managing absolutely. creative. Didn't come up with storylines. Didn't come up with any angles. Uh, I don't even think that she approved the script. She was just the conduit between Vince and, and the writers. So uh, so whatever. Let's talk about Nijax. Well, no, I, think I just want to – sorry, before we get into that, I just wanted to mention yeah. this week's Raw viewership hits another 2017 low, 2.613. Right. Thanks right. to Alex Palowski for that info. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, on top of everything we've talked about, whether it be the changing landscape of TV viewership, whether it be streaming, whether it be whatever, the fact is that the interest is dwindling, and that, that's, that's reality. And like we talked about, they need to find that next big storyline, that next big character. I don't think Roman Reigns is going to be that guy, at least not in his current his current form. He's not going to be that guy. So they need to find that next big Stone Cold. They need to find that next DX or the next NWO. Uh, and hopefully they do. You know? Yeah. So hopefully they do. I want to talk about Nia Jax because I think we saw this week with Donald Trump how if, when you're in the public eye, Twitter is... And any kind of social media, I think, is bad news. I cannot believe Donald Trump is, is on Twitter. Uh, Obama knew better. But this is not about uh, Trump or Obama. This is about Nia Jax. WWE is very political, as we've talked about. And WWE is very anal uh, about how they want you to act and how they want you to speak and what they want you to say. Nia Jax uh, posted a tweet on May 30th. This was after SmackDown aired. And on SmackDown, they announced that they're going to have the first ever Money in the Bank women's ladder match, uh, which is great. 
it's great great for the for the women's wrestlers Nia Jax posted on Twitter wow first ever money in the bank women's ladder match amazing how Smackdown live uses their entire women roster every Tuesday does she not realize that saying that means she's going to be on raw even less or she's going to be jobbed out the next time that they have her on television does she not realize that that's probably going to be the repercussions of doing that if she was better maybe she'd be used more she is one of those people that you can look at and she's almost like the anti damian sandow she's given a character and she doesn't jump all the way into it she doesn't jump all the way into her character yeah, I think that's I mean, hurt her a lot. I think a lot of it comes down to uh, somebody. I don't know if it was Alex that said this on Monday or maybe Hawkins on Tuesday about how Paul Heyman's thing used to be uh, accentuate the strengths, hide the negatives, mm-hmm. right? And when you look at Nia Jax and when you look at Shinsuke Nakamura is another one. Promos are not their strength. Shinsuke Nakamura should not be cutting promos on SmackDown. Nia Jax should not be cutting promos on Raw. All of this power they put into Nia Jax's character making her look like this dominant force and then they give her the mic and she sounds like a valley girl from Southern California it kills the character and that's not her fault that's that's Vince McMahon or Triple H or whoever failing to recognize that that is a weakness in her Um, but that does not excuse her for being stupid on social media and she should have learned that by now in, in today's wrestling landscape the company doesn't like it when you do that. And if you're not John Cena, if you're not Roman Reigns, if you're not, uh, I don't know, who you consider to be the top guys now on SmackDown. I don't know, uh, but, but Dolph Ziggler has done it before, and it's not worked out well for him. Zack no. Ryder's done it, not worked right. out well for him. I'm, I'm sure there are a couple here and there. Like Heath Slater has begged and begged for chances, and he got a little push, but it wasn't from that, and it was well after that. Right, it's different. Yeah, it's different. And it's not like she did that in storyline because they're not going to be doing a feud with anybody from SmackDown. She did that because she was venting on social media. And you just can't do that. you got to be smarter than that. That's not going to get you ahead in the company. And that's that's just how it is. Uh, one more thing on my list this week. I want to tell Billy Corgan, who I know doesn't watch this podcast and will probably never hear this, but I want to tell Billy Corgan this whole snag with your purchase of the NWA is a blessing. It is somebody trying to tell you, don't buy it, walk away. I want to say that to him. So um, anybody that, that isn't familiar, Billy Corgan uh, is, has been in negotiations to acquire the NWA trademarks uh, and uh, part of the video library. Some of it's from the Houston library and the on-demand service. And it came out that there is some uh, red tape with that they're trying to get over because of the trademarks. Uh, I guess the trademarks lapsed last year. And so they're having trouble converting them to him because of that. This is a sign, okay? It's a waste of your money. Do not buy the NWA. Let it go. Walk away. Do something else. Make an album. Go make an album. Do not buy the NWA. I couldn't agree more. I don't know what value there is in the NWA in 2017, and especially beyond. I mean, I heard that that Lagania, because Lagania is working with him, and I heard – sorry, Lagana. I heard that he has been traveling around to whatever promotions they have left that are still licensing the NWA name to start to build that relationship. To today's wrestling fans that are left, the NWA is a tainted brand. It, it, it represents old school, and it represents the old way of thinking about pro wrestling. They're and champions 52. 
Yeah, yeah. Like as a tainted brand, it is not in 2017 what it was in 1985. And the, the thing is, and, he's not a 52 year old that's like got a name. He's a 52 year old you've never heard of, Tim Storm. Right. He's a 52 year old that I kind of, I'm like wonder. I'm like, how did he get this? Because I've seen his work. It's not good. Yeah. He's got to let it go. Let it go, man. Move on. Go on vacation or something, or I don't know. Uh, buy a buy a new car. Just just move move along. Find something else to to get your attention on and forget about the NWA. I wanted to ask you, man, how did your play by play gig go? It went pretty good. I worked. I didn't hear anything about it. I haven't seen it. Like how how was it? It's on FlowCombat.com. It was Premier MMA Championship. It was standing room only uh, at the Radisson Riverfront in in uh, Covington, Kentucky. So just across the river from Cincinnati. It was good. I worked with a guy who hadn't done a lot of commentary before. So, I mean, I like stuff like that. I like challenges like that because yeah. even though I've, I've not done it, I don't do it every weekend. I'm able to teach people stuff and learn myself mm-hmm. and I can figure out what works and what doesn't work. And it was really cool. Saw a couple of guys that I know are going to be in the UFC eventually. Oh, that's, that's cool. That's pretty cool. A lot of familiar faces uh, in some local some some familiar faces like local celebrities in uh from the Cincinnati area. Reds weren't did in you, town, so none of them were there. Bummer. Did you did you start the broadcast by saying what's up, you guys? I don't remember. Did you end the broadcast by saying until next time we're out? No, because the production people didn't give me a cue for when we were ending and I just noticed oh. the mics went mute. Oh shit. So there was yeah. no goodbye, like no, no. nothing. It, they oh. they ended it. I was like, y'all got to give me a signal. And I said that. I was like, hey, oh. guys, hit me with a signal. And how I many, uh, How many times did you mention Fightful.com on the air? I think two or three times. Good. And the, the, good. the fight, the, the Premier MMA Championships named their submission of the night, the Fightful.com submission of the night. So Are you kidding? Really? Yeah. Really? Billy That's Donovan, right. guy I know who... Uh, I, I, a lot of you will know some of my work from Cage Passion Media, which is basically like what I was using to dabble in sports and all, all kinds of different stuff and got my start with podcasting and things like that. He ran that initially initially before turning it over to me. Also did uh, Absolute Action MMA where I did commentary for a long time. But mm-hmm. yeah. Hey, all right. Billy Donovan, show me the money, buddy. You had a packed house. How busy? How many people? I don't know. It was standing room only though. Ah, more that's than right. more than expected, I can say that. Uh it was a beautiful venue too. I loved I loved that that sort of ballroom or whatever they had it in. It looked really nice. I liked it. So I don't subscribe to Flow Flow Slam, so you're gonna have to show me the footage Flow somewhere. Combat, but it's Flow uh, Combat, whatever. Pretty expensive. Mm. As we told David Tease this week. <laughs> You know what? I, I don't want to see – I don't like to see business ventures fail. I don't like to see people out of jobs. But I told Sean when I first heard about the flow concept that I didn't think it was going to work. Yeah. Um, and now they've raised the price because I don't think they're making any money. So that's why they raised the price. Well, they, they, they did it for Flow Slam because it was an individual thing and they don't want the individual. But it's because it wasn't selling enough individuals if that's right. the case. And David Tease has said, I want to help step up indie coverage. And I said, buddy, I'm all for it, man. And he asked about getting flow combat, like comped and stuff. And I was like, we had nobody in our live viewing parties for Evolve. We did them all the time because we thought we have a show with Matt Riddle. People are going to want to be here, support him. It was crickets, crickets. We had people that show up at 530 in the morning for New Japan once. 
And yeah. they weren't showing up at four in the afternoon for Evolve. And I love watching Evolve. I love a lot of the stuff on Flow Slam. I loved Joey Janela's spring break for all the mess that it was. Did you hear what he did, Joey Janela? What did he do? He put up a jokey GoFundMe saying that he wants to buy the Mid-South Coliseum. <laughs> and he was asking – and here, here's what's funny about it. So he was asking for $7 million yeah. to, to, not, to not just buy the Coliseum, but there was other stuff that he was going to buy, including Brian Christopher. And Twizzlers, right? probably. But here's the funny thing. So he said in, the, in his notes he was looking for $7 million, but the little thing on the top where they have the, the dollars, he actually put $700 million. <laughs> I see that so, they've taken that down. I'll have to do a story on that or have Alex do it because I feel like he could do it more justice than I. You probably could. The A-Train thing, it's good. It's yeah. good what he does with that, yeah. I love that. I, I, yeah. I think that makes him like indispensable because I could hire – or you could hire a lot of people to be my associate editor. But the fact that he's able to take some of this ridiculous stuff and make it a little bit different, I think that's cool. Because there, there are a lot of headlines we've gotten from his work that you wouldn't be able to get anywhere else. So that's that's true. You know, this is the first time for you uh, video viewers, this is the first time that I've had a good look at your Jeff Jarrett guitar because normally it's farther back in your in your shot. Yeah. So I didn't realize that your Jeff Jarrett guitar has a picture of Jeff Jarrett holding a guitar. Laser I didn't realize that. Laser engraved on it. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I thought it just had a signature. I didn't realize it's actually got Jeff Jarrett holding a guitar. I don't know if it even does have a signature. No, it's just him laser engraved. Isn't that just terrific? Isn't that terrific? Global Force Wrestling. Kudos. Maybe he's not. He might not be happy with me. I don't know. He didn't. He usually resp- well. He might be in India, but I yeah, he's him, in India. I sent him a message asking if Jesse Goddard's was still with the company because he hasn't been on a taping since early January. It's like a twelve-hour time difference. He's probably not going to worry about it until he gets back. Nah, yeah, but uh, that's one guy. Even though Jesse Goddard's isn't like a big star or anything, I'm like, if you all are keeping some of these guys, you should probably keep him because. It's insane. Like, you don't understand the Big Brother reach right. until you – like, I saw him at the Arnold Classic and thought there were women about ready to throw their panties at him. It was insane. Really? really? Oh, it was nuts. It was nuts, man. Was I don't nuts. think I could pick him out of a lineup. I'm like, not sure I, I could. I wouldn't have been able to before TNA either. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess in other positive news, I plan to be here next Wednesday. Yeah, you got your – So. The, uh, the birth – Scheduled tomorrow, yeah. Jimmy Jr.'s coming tomorrow. Inmates are running the asylum in Toronto. They're going to be. By this time tomorrow, we're taping this on Wednesday, and it's about 4.30 uh, Eastern time. By this time tomorrow, I will be the father to a new baby boy. And uh, Jimmy Jr. is coming tomorrow, meaning that next Wednesday, I plan on coming back to do this podcast because I love talking to you, Sean. This is one of the highlights of my week is looking at that pretty face. And your wet hair and your uh, your Jeff Jarrett guitar. So uh, are you gonna? You know. Is his middle name gonna be Jam, as in Jimmy Jam Garvin? Because Jimmy Jam Van just sounds awesome. <laughs> so funny story, I'll tell you. Uh, no, you know what? I'm not gonna tell you this story today because in case any of my family happens to see this, it's a little bit of a surprise. Okay. So I'm I'm not gonna tell you the story today. On next week's show, I will tell you the story about the the middle names and the nickname. That we pulled out of that. So, remind me. I'll tell well, you. Well, congratulations in, advi- in, in advance for the minivan. Thank you. And you know what's going to be cool, man? So, I, I don't share pictures with my family very often on social media. I am going to show you a picture of my son when he's in his onesie that says, eat, sleep, poop, repeat. 
phenomenal. Going to show you a picture of him when he's in that onesie because I, that's like my favorite one, the Brock like, Lesnar onesie. I like how you built to next week's show. Smart. It's what you do, man. I'm, I'm, come on. I make, I make good decisions, you know? Hey, you hired me. Best decision was, you could make. That's, even that's one though, of the ones I still question. Even though I am a JBL-esque social justice warrior who— Let's go on this again. So you, uh, you're snarky. Snarky. Uh, you're snarky, and uh, you were more respected wherever you were before. Uh, you're acting like JBL. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. You've been pretty well behaved today, aside from the fact that you like tried to jump into my wife's delivery room. Otherwise, I didn't like you... where that was going. <laughs> I didn't like where that was going. I did that Jimmy. on purpose. I did that on purpose. I wanted to see your face on this. Be so. honest. Be honest. What was the reaction like in the office? I'm not going to know. I'm, I'm, I'm in the media room. I do not see my people. They handed Me- you a tablet. They did. They did. Was it, was it unanimous cheering? Well, it couldn't have been. The, the whole place was empty. I'm in a media room. we were at the hospital, the medical facility. Exactly, exactly. So what you're saying is Lindsay found a way to run from the hospital where she was with you here to give me this iPad, and let then me, she went back. Let me ask you a question. Doesn't she always find a way? She does. She does. That's she's just good. putting over she's, Lindsay right there. She, she always is, finds a way. She's one of my most valued people here, and, and she knows it. So, yeah, she's when good. When teleportation is invented, it will be a mandate from Jimmy Van to Lindsay that gets it done. Okay. There you go. There you go. I am convinced. Also, I mean, hey, you know, for all the Sean Ross Sap heel stuff, I don't think I've done bad for, for a hillbilly from Kentucky, Jimmy. Not too bad. I mean, Ventura put you in your place a little bit. Tell oh, you that she doesn't, like how you, tell she, she doesn't like how you're talking to me, and she was surprised I didn't blast you on the air. And uh, so she, you've calmed down a bit since that podcast, I think. In the business, but, as Shane educated me, that's what we call selling you a ticket, Ventura. Oh, is that what you it is? You got really? sold a ticket on <laughs> air, Ventura. There you go. I hate to there tell you. you. Well, that's that's all we got. What anything else yeah. before we go? No, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. It's uh it's felt like a very long nine months. So I'm looking forward to tomorrow. And uh I know how much you love children, Sean, so I'll be sure to text you a picture. I don't mind children. I don't, uh, I don't want any of my own. Okay. I thought you were more of a cat guy and like kids stay away from me and and all that. I think our maximum is down the line. Like my, my wife is still in college. She's working to be a special yep. education teacher. Once all that's settled and Fightful becomes the biggest website on earth, we may adopt someone down the road like an older child, maybe. That's cool. That's maybe. cool. That's, it's considering because I like to work, Jimmy. I like to work. It definitely you could ask Alex. It is a massive life yeah. change. There's no question about it. It's a ma- and ironically enough, I am way less nervous this time than I was the first time because I feel like I'm experienced and everybody's telling me two kids is so much harder. Ah, I'm, I'm not nervous at all about two kids. You shouldn't you be. Know? I'm not. You should be more nervous about me being unsupervised for a couple of days. Oh, no, no. I'll be around, man. I'm because, always around. Always. Because you never know what the heel might do. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, until next time, we are out. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.